province is moving ahead with a second round of financial aid to help Manitobans deal with inflation, and they've expanded the scope for this second round. Some 750,000 Manitobans are going to get a check in the mail. But is this a prudent use of our tax dollars? Big sports weekend, curling, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, football, AFC, NFC championship games, and why hasn't Nick Dembski signed yet with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? The WSO's Winnipeg New Music Festival is underway. We check in with the co-curator of the festival, which is actually the biggest of its kind in Canada. It's Friday, which means our weekly Gab with Gabby. And we had some fun talking about the times our pets drove us bonkers. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. This is the Friday, January 27th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, TGIF, welcome to Friday. Now, 33 kilometers an hour doesn't sound that bad, but when I woke up this morning, thanks to the wind, I've talked about the wind tunnel effect that my apartment complex has because it's, I'm in a high rise and there's one right beside me. So any, anytime there's a breath of wind, mm-hmm. it sounds like a, it's a lot of wind, but it really sounded like hell on earth outside when I woke up this morning. And the first thing I thought was, Oh boy! I hope Loren does not hit the road. And, and I uh, did not. Good. <laughs> but I, but I have to say, thirty-three kilometers per hour is not that bad. We've had obviously we get lots worse than that. It just depends on the direction of the wind. And I will say, I was coming home last night from different sporting events. You know, six, seven, eight o'clock, and uh, it was no good out there. And so at that time, I thought, well, if it's anywhere around this, like this, you know, at three a.m., I'm just gonna bow out. And so when I woke up this morning, I looked outside and I thought it's probably not terrible. But I always say that, and then I hit. That one highway and then that runs east-west just takes me five minutes to get to 59 or to 75 or St. Mary's, and it still is terrible. So I just, you know, better safe than sorry. But I know I know, sometimes it can be worse in the city. It just depends on, on how it's all swirling, Greg, but not so bad. No, not not too, too bad, but I'm watching Manitoba511.ca, and you mentioned Highway 75, and it's gone from Bear to partly covered in the last hour, hour and a half since I got here. So uh, those weather conditions are changing and the road conditions. And of course, highway number one is closed from Brandon to Griswold. And I confess for all the times that I've driven that highway, Brett yes. McGarry, I've never heard of Griswold, Manitoba. <laughs> yeah. Really? I, I didn't. But I had I no idea that thing. was the place. <laughs> I heard Jeff say that. Well, first of all, I read that. I got the alert saying that and I had to look it up because I thought, where was that? And then Jeff said it again. At six, and I'd already forgot what I looked up an hour ago. And I was like, where is that again? Mm, just and east I have of taken that, I have taken, well, I've taken that highway hundreds of times, and I had no idea. So sorry, Griswold. Sorry. Perhaps a small town salute. Perhaps. We'll have to visit Griswold. <laughs> and as Drew was saying, the wind could be gusting up to 60. So even though 33 kilometers an hour isn't direct, like super bad, still out in the open, if the wind gusts at all, it could be really scary out there on the highway. So if feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868 when it is safe for you to do so. What are you seeing out there if you have been on the highways this morning? Also, today... Um, Loren, I can confirm that uh, Mr. Greg was was not quite didn't quite have as much pep in his step. I assume perhaps some the ice hockey had something to do with that, Mr. Greg. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jets just didn't show up last night. In fact, I did something that I don't often do. I turned off the game about uh, halfway through the second period, and then my phone buzzed in the third period when the Jets made it three to one, and I contemplating contemplated turning it back on but i just didn't have i didn't have the gumption i didn't have the passion what was the thing like what was the moment that made you say this stinks i'm out the whole first period was just brutal (laughs) Uh, buffalo was you know mitchell clinton was on with us yesterday morning at 9 35 from jets tv and he listed all the potential things that the buffalo sabers could do to the winnipeg jets last night and they did each and every one of them and it's like, okay, Mitchell Clinton, smart guy, but I'm guessing Rick Bonus and the coaching staff and the players were aware of what Buffalo could do, and they just let him do it. It was it was just not a very good game from the home side. So we'll talk to Christian O'Mell, who uh, covered the game before, during, and after for 680 CJOB, just after 830. And also, Loren, I'm very concerned about a particular Blue Bomber who has yet 
to sign a new contract to remain with the blue and gold. And we're just 17 days from CFL free agency. Where's jersey number 10? He's, he's my favorite blue bomber. His name? Nick Dembski. All Winnipeg right. zone, Manitoba I, zone. I have to say, much like Griswold, I was like, I can't name Greg's favorite bomber. I like because I had three that were top of mind. Who were the other two? Brandon Alexander, because yep. of your kids' names. Yeah, yeah. And um, Big Hill and uh, the goat that we just had on Tuesday, just Mike because Miller. of the way you talked about him. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a long list, but uh, Dembski's <laughs> at the top. Okay, so more on that at 8.35. And by the way, we'll have the sounds of the game. Uh, we're going to try to shoehorn those in at 6.19 after we speak to Environment Canada about what we are expecting, and particularly with the cold, cold weather that is going to sink in this weekend. And of course, we got to talk about the checks, Loren, the checks from the so, province. When I saw the news release first come out, they're, you know, they're they're going down the road of... It's quite obvious to me, and I think most people, you know, saying this is a carbon rebate, even though the federal government already gives you one. So it's sort of pointing the finger at the feds again for your all your financial woes apparently come back to Ottawa. They're not calling it an inflation check, but whatever they call it, I am blown away by the threshold they set for what they think is the need out there for the people they believe need money. I think everybody could say that they're hurting, putting up their hand, saying that they hurt in some respect. But I don't. I, I never understood the th- family threshold of 175000 household income or less of the last round of checks. Now, this time around, correct me if I'm wrong, 175000 it can be the household income for a se- single person, and you're still getting a couple hundred bucks? Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right now. I, I was sorry, reading Loren. this yesterday, and I blocked it right out because I was like, "Come on, nobody needs a check that's in in and around that range." I just don't get it. And so you're gonna get either a two hundred twenty five dollar check if you're in that single person range, or a three hundred seventy five dollar check if you're in the family range. Seven hundred thousand people are gonna get this check, so that's great. But the the threshold, I think, is bananas. I'm trying to figure out what the reasoning and rationale is for this, and and I just don't, I don't know, I don't get it. Well, another question of the day at cjob.com that went up yesterday afternoon for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first; you'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at two zero four eight three two sixty two forty three. About seven hundred and fifty thousand Manitobans will be getting a check in the mail to help deal with inflation. Do you think that is a prudent use of our tax dollars? Thirty one percent say yes. Sixty nine percent say. No, so you can yes. cast your vote. with or without kids, your net income, if it's $175,000 or less, with or without kids, right. you qualify for this check. So I don't really, I, I don't get that threshold. So now you're just, I think you're giving it money to people who, well, honestly, we had people write in yesterday saying, I, I don't need this money. I don't need it. Or I, I'm not desperate for it the way there will be other people who are much more desperate for it. And then you add that all up, we're talking about $200 million carbon tax relief fund. Um, there are a lot of people on social media yesterday saying $200 million, give that to the hospitals, give that to those who don't have a contract or we've been working without a contract for years in hospitals, man, give it to the sex assault unit that struggled to, to serve the people who have been sexually assaulted over the past couple of years. I mean, I, I don't get it. Hi there, it's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets to see the Winnipeg Jets on Monday. Hopefully they bounce back after losing 3-2 last night to Buffalo, playing St. Louis on Monday. We've got tickets to give away. We'll tell you how you can win those tickets in our next segment. And then after Global News at 7 o'clock, Loren, uh, we have a rather important topic to discuss. Yeah, it's International Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's the 78th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. All sorts of conversations to be had about what we do and maybe don't know about the Holocaust. The last year has seen a rise in anti-Semitism, so we're going to visit with someone who's going to share what we need to learn, what we need to understand, and what more we need to do to make sure there's a lot more awareness out there. And before we get into what we're about to discuss here, Greg, how was your drive-in? Because we had Todd saying that the roads were like skating rinks. I couldn't tell. I was a passenger in my taxi, but uh, you were behind the wheel this morning. Yeah, I was on Lajemodier for all of 100 meters and then uh, Chief and then Henderson Highway. I find I found it not too bad. Snow covered for sure, but uh, saw some snow plows uh, Hespler and Henderson. So, so the crews are out there. They were out there earlier. You could tell on Chief Pegwis Trail. 
I didn't have any issues uh, on Main Street either. Okay. So as Manitobans continue to deal with rising prices and dented wallets, the provincial government came out yesterday with another round of financial aid, Loren, and more people are going to be eligible this time around. More people? It's more than half the province, as Global's Kevin Hirschfeld reports. Uh, this is different than what was handed out the first round in August. Those checks were only given to families with children and seniors in a certain income threshold. Now, regardless if you have children or not, you could be eligible. So let's break it down. The province is calling this a $200 million carbon tax relief fund. Now, this is up from their $87 million package a few months back. And this time around, anyone who lived in the province as of December 31st and whose family net income in 2021 was under $175,000 will be eligible. Single people will receive $225, while couples will receive $375, with the lower income earner receiving the payments. Premier Heather Stephenson says up to 700,000 Manitobans will be eligible compared to the 145,000 with the last round of supports. Many Manitobans we've heard loud and clear across the province are having difficulty making ends meet. And so uh, this is something that's a a short-term relief package for them to be able to help them make ends meet when they're having a difficult time right now. Now the opposition NDP pointing out that it is an election year and part of this is the PC government trying to get in Manitobans' good books. And leader Wab Canoe says more continuous help is needed rather than just a short-term fix. What I'd like to see from a provincial government is help with those recurring costs on a monthly basis. Stuff like your utility bills, your mortgage or rent payments, uh, grocery prices, uh, the, the price at the pump. Now this $200 million relief fund will be part of what the Premier says is an $850 million package that will also help support the health care system and Manitoba municipalities. Stephenson says more details on that will be announced in the coming days. Kevin Hirschfield, Global News. So leader of the opposition is Wab Canoe. You heard him in that report there. Uh, this is a little bit more of, of what he had to say in response to the Premier's announcement yesterday. You know, part of the advantage, the cost of living advantage we're supposed to have in Manitoba is the fact that we have AutoPack and we have Manitoba Hydro, which should be keeping your utility bills more affordable. We do have rent control, at least in name, in this province. So if you're a renter, Uh, There should be some assistance there. Uh, Even your property tax. You know, tons of people in the city noticed that their property taxes uh, went up this year. And then you talk about the grocery store costs. You talk about the gas station prices. There ought to be more action to help with the recurring costs month in, month out that are weighing people down. So I agree on the day-to-day, month-to-month stuff. A cut in the provincial tax on gasoline might be the way to go to help some but once again that doesn't help unless you drive a car the cut in property tax is already happening we can debate another time if reducing education taxes is good for the education system but are those cuts making their way to renters i think most of us would agree that those who are renting might be feeling the the pinch a little bit more than those who who own a home not saying that you don't if you own a home just saying you know, we know that rent is on the increase in our province despite rent control. And as far as MPI and hydro go, I'm never in favor of politicizing or governments overstepping and getting into what can amount to the day-to-day operation of either of those corporations. So the, the, I, I, the, back of, the hair on the back of my neck stands up when any politician starts talking about politicizing MPI and, and hydro and artificially reducing hydro rates certainly doesn't target who receives the benefit, Loren. Every household uh, pretty much gets a hydro bill, so which is what I thought the ultimate criticism of these one-time payments is, that too many people who don't really need them are going to receive them. You know, for the people who are out there this morning listening in and are saying, no, this money is going to make a difference, I am happy for you. If this buys you another round of groceries, although it really only adds up to probably a couple bags of groceries, gets you to your next paycheck. Look, if this helps you, I get it. But inflationary pressures aren't cooling fast enough for anyone to say you'll be feeling a lot less pain in just a few weeks' time after this check's cleared. So so then what? 
and and I get it as a politician you're you're darned if you do and you're often darned if you don't but don't don't do this don't call it a carbon tax relief fund don't spend 200 million dollars sending out checks to over half the province don't tell me households earning 175,000 dollars or less single households earning 175,000 dollars or less need this it might help they might want it they might appreciate it but you can't convince me that that's the threshold of need you can't convince me of that that's not where people are desperate so I think that threshold is bananas. Cut it in half if you're going to do this, I think. Set it lower. Otherwise, the only conclusion I can draw at this time and I, is that this is about convincing you that they're doing something. And it might be about this being an election year. And it might be akin to some people say, are you trying to buy my vote? Because that threshold is nuts. And I don't know what the step would be to make everyone feel less pain right now. But only three provinces are cutting checks like this. What is everybody else doing? How are we helping to relieve the pain overall? What are the bigger conversations? And yes, they talk about a bigger package coming out, an announcement's coming at 10.30 today of $850 million overall going to be spent to help towns and cities and all the rest. But I, I do not get this check. I don't. Brett, when you get it, tell me what you're spending on it. I'll tell you mine, and we'll, we'll gleefully have a beer together, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Feel free to let us know, too, at 204-780-6868. And again, our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Do you think this is a prudent use of our tax dollars? Heads up, we got another bus cancellation. Brandon School Division buses will not be operating outside the city of Brandon today, all day, due to the Trans-Canada Highway closure. Alexander school is closed but all other schools are open and buses will be running within the city of Brandon and the other bus cancellation that we had is uh, service in region A and B in the Prairie Rose school division Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, yesterday morning, our question of the day, we asked you, is it acceptable for someone to miss a day of work because of the loss of a pet? At CJOB.com, 68% said yes, 32% said no. Huge response on Twitter, by the way, almost 2,000 votes. It's a lot more than we usually get on Twitter, so thanks for chiming in on that. We had 78% saying yes, 22% saying no. So with pets still on the brain... We wanted to have a follow-up conversation today and talk about the the goofy things our pets do. Tell us a story about a time your pet drove you bonkers, got itself into trouble, did something stupid, or if you don't have a pet in your household or have never had a pet, maybe you have an experience with someone else's pet. Like when I went to my buddy's place when I was 14 years old and his black lab decided that the right sleeve of my sweater would make an adequate lunch while I was still wearing it. 204-780-6868. So, let's go around the horn here. Cameron Portress, why don't we start with you, sir? Uh, well, my uh, cat, Zine, is, I think, trying to actively suffocate me. Um, she lies right on my face when I'm trying to nap. There are nights when uh, she is so bad that my wife and I like talk about it the next day and we go, oh, Zine was so bad last night. Um, she knows my nap time. She knows she now waits for me on the bed and looks at me and she just goes like, and she listens for me if I'm a little late. She knows when I, and as soon as I walk down the stairs, I hear her come by. And every time she's, like, in a good spot that I want her to stay, like, okay, Zine, stay there. You're not pinning me. Like, she'll go between my legs or on my leg or whatever. And and if she's in a good spot, I'll go, well, that's a good place for a Zine. Just stay there. Just stay there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And I can't bring myself – this is how ridiculous I am. I can't bring myself to close the door. It's too cruel. It's too heartbreaking. I did it twice, and I looked at her, and she was sitting on the top of the stairs just staring at me, waiting for me, scratching at the door. I had to go and open it. I just, I just couldn't take it. So um, love you, Zine, but uh, let me sleep sometimes. You're not allergic, I guess? No, not at all. Oh, oh. Thank goodness, because I got five cats at the house. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I got five. That's fun. And a rabbit. 
And Reg. And Reg, of course, Reg, yeah. Oh, Reg yeah. the rabbit. Yeah. Mackling, what about you? Oh, gosh. The pets, the animals control the house. It's absolutely official. I'm in the same boat as you, Cameron, when it comes to sleeping time. Abby knows exactly when my bedtime is. Yeah. And she will sit at the bottom of the stairs and she will pine for me. She will make little noises calling me. She looks up the stairs as if to say, aren't we going up now? And, uh, but she's so considerate. She's 15 year old Shih Tzu. And so she did, I think she's losing her eyesight. She might be dealing with some dementia a little bit. And, uh, she needs to go outside a little more often than usual. Mm -hmm. And she never barks. She just kind of makes just a little sound, just enough to, Dad, it's time to wake up. (laughs) But unfortunately, here's what's driving us crazy right now. And it's heartbreaking at the same time. She won't come inside without whiskey coming in first, almost like a guide dog for the dog because she only gets so far. And then I think she just forgets either where she is or something is impeding her from taking that last step in back into the house. Maybe it's the white and she can't see. Could be. Yeah, that's just a theory. Could be. I don't know what it is, but now Whiskey has the uh, has the task of going out and rounding up Abby to bring her back into the house. And he's doing a really good job at it. So, yeah, they rule everything. They rule all. And uh, God bless our pets. Forte, what about you? Well, my parents, it's my dog as well, because I live alone, so I don't actually have a, uh, a an animal that lives with me. But uh, my parents' dog, Bailey, I love her so much. She's so cute and adorable. So this story's not about her because I don't want to talk smack about her. <laughs> so instead, I'm going to tell a story about when I was... In junior high, and uh, my uh, buddy, his mom used to drive us home from school, and we'd uh, hang out at his place, and he would have a few cats, and one of his cats, it's a black cat, and would always come and, you know, kind of bother me, push me around a little bit, and then there's one day- Trying to muscle you, Fuji? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then I'm walking home from his place one day, and my backpack is, it's kind of wet. I'm going- Oh. What is this? And it's on my hand, and I'm putting my hand in my face, and I'm smelling it, and I'm like, oh, no. it smells like plants. I don't know why. It just smelled like plants. And I realized it was cat pee. Oh. The cat peed on my backpack, and, like, I was putting my hand in my face. And to tell you the yeah. truth, I, 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 I can't remember if I actually what cleaned my backpack. Stink. I think I just wiped it down. I was like, eh, whatever. Because <laughs> at that age, like, come on. You're yeah. like, oh, who cares? <laughs> and Loren, what about you? Well, here's the thing. I just, I've had dogs for years on the farm. And of course, we just got moose two, two years ago, actually, tomorrow. Two years ago, tomorrow is the anniversary of when moose joined our household. Why I remember that, I don't know, but darn it all if I don't love the thing. He, he, he digs everything. He, he destroyed his first bed because he, I think he thought there was gold buried in it. So it was ripped apart. He digs at the bed when he jumps on the boys every single morning. He digs outside. He's buried all his toys. Every toy we've ever bought him is gone. I don't know where they are. I think the guy is insane sometimes, but I have to say, he, I, the, over Christmas, I was like, this dog also might be a genius. We were staying at my sister's house. They just moved into a new place. And so he stayed in the garage. He's a garage. He was comfortable. He's fine. Kids went out and hung out with him often. We took him for tons of walks. He was good. But our home where we live, the door handles to get in and out are knobs. Like You have to turn them right or left. But the door to get into my sister's place is a handle. You push down. Yep. And darned if not at least three times a day, Moose would suddenly just be wandering around the kitchen or living room. Like he let himself in. And you just look when he come wow. in. So like normally the dog gets in quiet. Like he comes in bounding. Like you can't miss when Moose is home. Right? But he knew enough to know. I don't know how he did it. I really don't. But he I, He would flip the handle. And then all, you wouldn't hear a thing. And all of a sudden you look around and you'd be like, oh, hi, Moose. <laughs> and at first we thought people weren't closing the door properly. But we came to the conclusion near the end. But he might have just figured out how to get in. I don't know. Two oh four. And then seven. I couldn't stop it. I loved it. Sorry. Carry on. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Let's just get right into this here. It has been 78 years since the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp. And on this International Holocaust Remembrance Day, there are events taking place right across this country to not only show we stand united in remembering the 6 million Jewish children, women, and men who were killed, but also to educate 
Yeah, there are many people who might say that knowledge and understanding of the Holocaust is dropping just as we're seeing hate crimes and anti-Semitism rising. And that's perhaps why experts believe that education is more important now than ever. Bell Jarneski is the executive director of the Jewish Heritage Centre of Western Canada. Good morning, Bell. Good morning. What would you like all of us to contemplate and consider this morning? Well, that it has been, as you say, uh, more than three quarters of a century since the end of World War II. But unfortunately, the facts of the history of the Holocaust are under siege today more than ever. We have a rise in anti-Semitism, hate crimes, violent uh, as well, like we haven't seen before. And education is key. We at the Jewish Heritage Centre just the other night reopened our Holocaust Education Center Museum, which is the only Holocaust museum in uh, Winnipeg, in Manitoba, for that matter, uh, with a view to educate the next generation, the young people. As we see, we are approaching a time where, sadly, there will no longer be any survivors to tell their stories. We will be preserving their stories my grandfather visited Auschwitz in the early 1970s, Bell, and and he firmly believed every person on planet Earth uh, should visit. He knew that wasn't that wasn't possible and wasn't practical. However, what ways can folks uh, educate themselves on what happened there and and at least try to get some sense of of what took place? Well, certainly there, of course, there's so much uh, available to read, but we would love to have them come and visit our museum. And the museum starts off in a different way than our previous exhibit. Uh, The first window before you come into the museum is about life before, because as important it is to learn about what happened, the horrific story of Auschwitz and the camps and the ghettos of which we now know there are There were about 40,000 in total. We need to remember that there was a life before, that people had families, that they came from different countries, um, and our survivors who who settled here in, in Winnipeg had very diverse and important lives with their families before the Holocaust began. And that also gives us an idea of just how much was lost. And then when you come in, we've got an incredible interactive table that looks at the history of the Holocaust itself, as well as anti-Semitism, which was such a key factor. And we also look at anti-Semitism in Canada, which is something that is unfortunately not very well known. When students come in, they see Canada through the lens of today of welcoming refugees. And they don't realize that not only were Jews prevented from immigrating, from escaping Nazi Germany, but that they were excluded uh, well before that in society. There were boycotts against Jewish businesses. Their, um, Jews were not welcome to live in certain places, to buy property. Uh, they weren't welcome in you know, hotels uh, in certain places. And of course, there were quotas right here at the University of Manitoba in the Faculty of Medicine. And these are all important facts. And we also have a direct connection to the Shoah Foundation's Visual History Archive, which has preserved the testimonies of more than 55,000 Holocaust survivors, including all of our Canadian survivors as well. And it has begun also interviewing survivors of other genocides, and we have those available too. Because although we said never again, of course we know that genocide has continued, that the world really hasn't learned anything. And if I may borrow a quote um, from uh, Professor Bauer, Yehuda Bauer, we unfortunately, we live in a society, not in a post-Holocaust world, but in a world where the Holocaust is possible. Bell Jarniewski is the executive director of the Jewish Heritage Centre of Western Canada. Before we let you go, Bell, we know you've got to do a hit with our friends at Global News Morning. Um, If somebody would like to visit the Jewish Heritage Centre of Western Canada, where is it? It's at 123 Doncaster. It's inside the Asper Campus Jewish Community Centre. And the museum itself is open 
all hours that the building is open, which means from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m., and people can just do a, a self-guided tour. Beljarnowski, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, our weekly Gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand, the host of Global News Morning, joins us at 9.05. At 9.35, the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra tees up the new music festival. It actually started last night. It's always such a cool, unique event, uh, so we'll learn more about what they're doing. And a reminder that we're asking you to tell us a story about a time your pet or someone else's pet drove you nuts for a chance to win Jets tickets for Monday's game against St. Louis and Debbie texting us to say years ago we we had a shih tzu named Tucker. He had skin allergies and was on a special diet. We never gave him table scraps. We had a large barbecue. There were five hot dogs left over, individually wrapped in foil. I had forgotten about them and threw them in the garbage. That night I got home from work to find a trail of foil throughout the house. The dog managed to open the door where the garbage was. He ate four of them, and I found him fast asleep in his bed with his paw hugging the last hot dog. Aww. All those relatives eat and the hot dog. Never mind. Sorry. I was like, what? I couldn't make dog, out what you dogs, said. Dogs, dogs can't eat hot dogs, can they? Anyway. And by we the call way, them the hot cat in our house, just so that Moose doesn't get offended. Very good. Excellent. And yeah. by the way, thanks to uh, Gary Jenkins, uh, who tipped us off yesterday about, uh, he said he tried uh, J.D. Hogg's. Wieners, and he said it's one of the best he's ever had. They've got a storefront like in way in northeast Transcona, but apparently they also sell them at Marcelo's Meats on Meadowood and then a variety of locations through southern Manitoba. Yeah, I think they go all across North America on those cooking competitions. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to investigate this. Thank you, Gary. Give me some homework. Home sweet home was anything but last night at Canada Life Centre for the Winnipeg Jets. Do we have to? Yes. <laughs> okay, so coming off a five-game road trip on which they collected just four of a possible ten points, the Jets lost their fourth game in the last six starts. They host Philadelphia tomorrow, St. Louis Monday before the All-Star break. Now, the 3-2 score absolutely flattered the Jets. <laughs> the Sabres did everything Mitchell Clinton told us yesterday morning they could do. Joining us to discuss last night's game and other sports stories on our radar, the host of the CJB Sports Show, Christian O'Mal. Christian, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are y'all doing? Well, we're good. <laughs> and and uh, a hi to you. Uh, why did the Jets enable this incredibly fast and high-scoring Sabres team? They just played them a couple of weeks ago. They know what they're capable of. And they come out and they laid an absolute egg in front of their hometown fans last night. That's a good question, Greg. I think part of it is this team is kind of wandering right now. It, it seems like ever since they got all those players back at once, which was, I think, three weeks ago tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They won that game and feelings were high. They'd won four in a row and, oh my gosh, they're healthy now. Finally, imagine the potential of this team and they just haven't been able to find any kind of consistency. The defensive structure has been really shaky and now they're, you know, scoring has been tough for them, right? They didn't get anything done until the last five minutes here last night and it was out of pure desperation they got those goals they've been uh they've been shaky in terms of finding their game and yet there's just two points out of first in the western conference i do think that the all-star break is going to really help this team i wonder how much this recent stretch has been exhausting and i know every team goes through it every team has long road trips and has stretches where they don't play the best but it's a team that does seem tired right now and and needs a bit of a rest that's not to let them off the hook for last night because they were bad last night in Buffalo. I mean, I can't think of the last time. It hasn't happened this year, maybe last year when the Jets weren't as good, where a team just comes into their building and toys with them for minutes and minutes on end, right? The Jets just couldn't get the puck for a lot of the second and third period last night. It was crazy. And Buffalo is going to be a really good team, I think, for years to come. They're not quite there yet. They're inconsistent, too. But their ceiling is pretty high with the kind of draft picks they've been able to accrue over being terrible for so many years. So we want to switch to something that's maybe a bit more positive, might just have us smiling a bit more, Christian, and that, of course, is the Scotties uh, underway in East St. Paul. Greg has been out there himself with some of the events, and three of the top 15 teams in the world rankings are part of the Manitoba Scotties Tournament of Heart 
And I think this morning, just in 20 minutes, we have Caitlin Laws and her former longtime skip, Jennifer. Um, are they going up against each other this morning? Do I have that right? No, you they're do just not the, have that right. They're the, oh. they're, they're the only two undefeated teams at 4 and 0 heading oh, into the draw. Oh, heading into the draw. I was reading That's that right. they're playing each other at 9. Sorry. So are those the two teams that you think might end up in the final? They will end up playing each other tomorrow because uh, that's when the the championship round or no, it'll be Saturday when they play each other. That's when the championship round gets underway. So there's six teams in three or in two different groups. They all play round robins within their groups, and then the top three from each group move on to the championship round. And the so Laws will play the uh, three teams from the other group in the next round. One of them is going to be Jones. Laws is four and zero. Jones is four and zero. And as Greg mentioned, no one else is uh, undefeated. I, I would be stunned if those two did not end up in the final on Sunday. I think they're clearly uh, above the rest of the field. You know, Beth Peterson is 3-1 and one and lost 9-2 to Caitlin Laws. Lisa McLeod last night went into her matchup with Jennifer Jones undefeated and lost 8-2. So it, it's pretty clear, I think, Jones and, and Laws are at the top of the field. And most likely, <laughs> I, and I think it's it's certain, I don't have the rankings in front of me, but I believe if one, whoever doesn't win the final, the other one's getting in anyway in a wild card position. So you want to represent your province, no doubt about that. Now that there's no longer the wild card game, top three just get in that aren't through their province. It's a little less stressful, but still, you want to represent your province. And we know that we've seen those two a number of times. And now Joe Officer playing for Caitlin Law's team because uh, Selena Negevin is due in March. So. Uh, fun to see her back out there again, but yeah, th- there's clearly cream rising above the uh, the top here for the, the these two teams. And that's not surprising. That's, that's what we thought going in. They're the top two seeds going in. Jones is skipping a team that won it all last year with Mackenzie Zacharias, and Laws has a, a pretty good all star team herself. Also Sunday, Christian, the AFC and NFC championship games in the NFL to determine who moves on to the Super Bowl in two weeks' time. Who's going to lose? Oh, I think uh, we all do because football will end soon. <laughs> no, uh, I, 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 it's tough. This is really tough because it's the four best teams as far as I'm concerned. The, the biggest question going into the weekend is Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, his ankle. He suffered a high ankle sprain on Saturday against Jacksonville. And he said in practice it felt better than he thought it was going to. But his mobility is such a big part of his game that if he's stuck in the pocket, that's not going to go great for the Chiefs. I think a lot of people are pretty high on the Bengals, so much so that they've, they're actually the favorite now over a hobbled Chiefs t- or a Patrick Mahomes team. I think these games are both going to be pretty good. I, If I were picking, uh, which if you listen to my show, you should not follow my advice because all season I was pretty bad. I, I, I think the Niners are the best team, honestly. I think they're going to beat the Eagles, even though their quarterback has only played like six weeks of NFL football. And then I think... Say it. You want to say it. You want to yeah, say, say it. Say it. Give me the Bengals. There you go. That's the right answer. <laughs> the Bengals and the 49ers in the Super Bowl again. The Bengals have been to the Super Bowl three times, and they've played the 49ers two of those three times. Oh. I'm predicting three of four because sport just seems to happen and, and work that way. I could So be everyone that's wrong. listening, go out and bet on the Eagles and Chiefs right Exactly. Now. <laughs> Real quick here, Christian. CFL free agency is just over two weeks away. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have, of course, been diligently locking up their veteran core pieces with at least one extremely high profile exception to this point. Could number 10, Nick Dembski, be playing elsewhere in 2023? I mean, he could. I wouldn't put the percentage at at super high. The Bombers haven't locked up any of their free agent receivers. Uh, Rasheed Bailey, Greg Ellingson, or others. I think they're only down to 13, though, in uh, players that played for them last year that haven't been re-signed this year that uh, weren't practice roster guys. I think that it's not time to panic yet. It's still January 27th. There's still a couple of weeks away. It, it, there's no indication that he ever wanted to play anywhere else. So if it becomes the night before free agency and he's still not signed, then I'd start to worry a little bit. Oh, well, but geez, for now, thanks. There's still plenty of time. Okay. Come on, there's plenty of time. He's on some of the marketing materials for next season. So that, that has me uh, hopeful. But I, I'm a little nervous here. You know how I feel about Nick, Nick Dembski, Christian. Oh, he's a, an integral part of this offense. And the fact that he's from here, I'm sure, uh, adds to the allure of keeping him in Blue Bomber garb for a long time, right? 
Christian O'Mell, the host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show weeknights, 6.30 to 9. Christian, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We want to revisit a story that has many feeling outraged and even shame with the way sex assault survivors are being dealt with in this province. So this has to do with a unit that's tasked with treating people who are just assaulted and even tasked with gathering evidence if that person chooses. According to the Manitoba's Nurses Union, the staffing situation is so dire that when it comes to the sex assault program that's supposed to help victims, well, they say some are being sent home and then asked to keep their clothes on, not shower, until the unit is ready and able to see them. Uh, imagine you've been assaulted, violated, and you find the courage to go to the ER for treatment, and the ER is then supposed to refer you to this specialized unit that's supposed to be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that survivors can get the right, compassionate care. And this is what's happening. Global's Marnie Blunt has more. Imagine being told not to shower, not to change your child's diaper, or to wipe after going to the washroom in an effort to preserve evidence that may affect the outcome of a court case. This is outrageous. The Nurses Union and the Opposition NDP pointing at a more than $600,000 announcement from the province last spring, which promised the hiring of five full-time forensic nurse examiners and a provincial coordinator. Currently, there is only one full-time nurse. The rest are all on call, resulting in overwhelmed staff that can't help sexual assault victims in a timely manner. Not only does this make a traumatic experience harder for survivors, it makes it easier for the assaulter to get away with the crime. Kemlin Nemhard, the executive director of the Women's Health Clinic, says this is submitting victims to even more trauma. It's atrocious, appalling, shocking. First of all, it takes an incredible amount of courage for somebody after they've been through like, a situation like that to actually go to the hospital. Nemard says it increases the chances of a victim not returning to the hospital and potentially giving perpetrators a free pass. You're taking people that are already marginalized, already like traumatized and re-traumatizing. Premier Heather Stephenson responding Thursday saying they're working to fast track the process. From a high level, it's a health human resource issue. We're aware of that. We recognize that. Again, it's nothing unique to Manitoba. We'll continue to do what we can to, to expedite. In an emailed statement, a spokesperson for Shared Health says five new nurses have been hired with training expected to begin next month and work is still underway to hire a provincial coordinator. Global News did reach out to the health minister for comment but did not hear back before deadline. Marty Blunt, Global News. Trying to measure my words uh, closely here, Loren. Uh, outraged is is one word that comes to mind. This, to me, exemplifies the word emergency when anyone is going through something like this. And you heard it in that report. It's challenging enough to encourage or to have individuals come forward when they've been through an experience like this to subject themselves to what ends up happening in those examinations, let alone the years of, of legal proceedings should they decide to go forward with, with, with charges and to be a part of all that. This is, this is, just, this is just unacceptable. The thing is, is, is what we're looking for here, especially trained nurses, people who have the right kind of training in terms of not just the evidence part is important. And that's the only if the survivor chooses to go down that path, but you want to gather it so they have their options. But, but it's about, okay, fine, you've got nurses coming into this program. And you can say in a statement that you've got nurses that will be trained next month and ready to roll. It's still months too late for those who may have been sent home, sent home and not come back maybe. You send, if I'm in that situation and you send me home and you've told me not to shower after the most violating thing I can possibly imagine, I, I don't know. I'm probably getting in the shower. And then what? Then you've ruined that future prosecution for that survivor. You've ruined it. Shameful is not even the right word. It's just disgusting. We welcome into our studio... <laughs> the person who works in the studio down the hallway from us, the anchor of Global News Morning, seen f Monday through Friday, not 6 a.m. till 9 on Channel 9, Cable 12, CKND, Winnipeg, Gabrielle Marchand. Powered by 
Red wine in the evening and Cheeto dust and coffee in the morning. Good morning. Happy Friday, everybody. But today it's pickled beets. Yes, I started eating. Lauren, let me know if you like pickled beets. I buy jars of them now. They're like two bucks. It's great value. And I've just been eating pickled beets for breakfast. And if I have 12, I feel like I had a salad. So there you go. And then you go to the washroom and have to remind yourself that you're not in some sort of crazy kidney failure because you forgot you had the beets. It's a murder scene in here. <laughs> beets really, uh, yeah, really, uh, they're good for you. I like pickled beets. I love fresh from the garden cooked beets. Oh, love them. Yeah, I have no make garden. Your plate look pretty. <laughs> they are beautiful. Well, I, I I grew like seven of them last year. I just from someone else's garden. It doesn't matter which garden. <laughs> from like a garden, fresh from someone's garden. <laughs> That's how life should be lived. 100%. I love it. You're right. It is pretty. And they do make, uh, does Pine Ridge Hollow still make those beet yes. chips? Oh, the yes. beet oh, chips. Yeah, they're fantastic. And the dip oh. that come with the beet oh. chips, uh, I won't say second to none, but it's top five. Oh. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. I have a friend who got us into, they do a curried mayo with their beets, their roast beets. And so it A, it's the yellow and the red, but it's really good together. Oh, Wow. An aioli. Beats, man. There you go. Where it's at. Conversation starter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we do on Fridays in our Gab with Gabby. We just kind of like to sort of re, uh, let our hair down a little bit and kind of review some of the fun things we've discussed this week uh, because Gabby's kind of like a fun grenade. So let's go. The <laughs> let's weird, go. The weird dreams we have. Because we were talking about that, the cheese testers. Uh, they, these This research outlet wants to get dairy dreamers to – Eat cheese and then test to see what their dreams are. And Cheetos dust is not on the list of Cheetos. It doesn't count as real cheese. There's not real cheese in Cheetos. I'm (laughs) shocked. You know what, though? Cheese dreams is a real thing. Or maybe just heavy meal dreams because I like to have really large meals before I nap or before I go to bed. It just feels so comforting until you have psychedelic dreams. And I'll find that I become kind of weirdly obsessed with random people. I don't mean this in a creepy stalker way. I just mean that, you know, somebody will kind of be on my mind. I'll be like, how did they come into my dream? This person who I rarely see, like my friend's ex-girlfriend, I knew her. She's an interesting person, lovely person. And she'll just show up in my dreams and I'll have like three hour dreams about this woman. You know, she's just like her living her life. Like I had a dream that I was going to her bachelorette party. Really? Yeah. I I mean, I think she's married. I don't really know. I don't know her that well, but I'm like, why did I have a three hour dream about this woman? Okay. It must've been the pounds of cheese I had before bed. That's bizarre. Yeah. That's weird. That is weird. Like sometimes you wake up and you think like, why did I dream about that person? Yeah. Like sometimes, like, like I remember, I think just recently I dreamt about this girl I went to high school with. I haven't seen her in 30 years mm. or almost 30 years. Oh. She had an impact once upon a time. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I may have had a crush on her back then. <laughs> Love is in the how about, how about the, the morning you show up at high school and uh, the, the, the classmate you had a dream about the night before is walking up the stairs from the cafeteria and you're walking downstairs and you say, hi, Joanne. And then you go beat red because you realize, oh, my word, I had a crazy dream about you last night. <laughs> and when you turn around, you run out the door. She comes chasing back after. This is hypothetical, of course. What's this going on? sounding very real. <laughs> and this oh. dream sounds very R-rated if you're that involved. I'm blushing just remembering this back in 1987, just like the realization, oh, what a dream about you last night. And I felt terrible. I love it. <laughs> Joanne, if you're out there listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and also today's topic, times that either our pet or someone else's pet drove you bonkers. Okay, listen, I love dogs more than anything in this world. Like, if you let me pet your dog, I am laying down on the snow outside to pet your dog and try to get some belly rubs in for them and for me. I don't think I've ever disliked a dog in my life. Uh, I had a friend, delightful person, his dog was bonkers, so (laughs) poorly trained. It would just jump up constantly. Like it was always jumping up on you at all times, always barking, like paws up, scratching with its claws. Why are you talking about me like this right now? I'm doing the best I can with this, okay, Gabby? And it just made me, I think it's the only dog I haven't liked and I didn't want to hang out because I was like, I can't handle your dog constantly assaulting me. Is that your dog, Loren? No, it well, mm, depends on who you ask. With the ladies, is he's a bit more um, doesn't listen. Oh, and so I, I don't know. I have, he's also a COVID dog where we, he went like a year without hardly anyone coming into the house, or at least the first six months of his life, his formative years. And I did just have a neighbor tell me the other day that he was going to send me a podcast on how to train your dog. It was a not 
subtle hint. It was just like, I have a podcast I'm sending you. And I was like, oh. Could you imagine somebody saying they're going to send you a, a magazine, a book, or a podcast about uh, how parenting? to, yeah, parenting. Like you would be like, you'd be mortified. Of, that's sort of out of line. I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I just stopped seeing the dog. I didn't send well, him a book on how to train it. They, they, the, to be fair, I had taken the recycling out. Moose just ran out the door into the, the yard, like four yards over and then just wouldn't come back. Like, that, just would not listen he lives to there me. now and so in that person's defense they were just they actually said nicely oh did you do any training with them and I was like does it look like I've done <laughs> Moose trained you let's be clear well and how's this one of our listeners saying they once had a great Pyrenees so is that like the big white dog that John Ooh, Rush has so pretty um, yeah. so they say once had a great Pyrenees five pounds of barbecue sirloin gone in 30 seconds Ooh. when I had my back turned Dog was licking her chops, and apparently the dog only weighed eighty, like eighty to one hundred pounds, but just inhaled five pounds in thirty seconds. I went to the kitchen the other day. I left uh, the the bones of a chicken breast and a leg. I went to the kitchen. I came back and they were gone. Whiskey had just absolutely massacred. Is it that terrible for them though? I it thought is. Bones was like a thing you should rush them to the vet. Oh, for. completely. Completely. And, did, and did you? I guess he chewed them all up. He's still alive. So. You know what? Big, big takeaways this morning. It's Moose and Whiskey's world, and we're all just living in it. Gabrielle Marchand is the host and anchor of Global News Morning, weekdays from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, always a pleasure. Happy Friday. Enjoy your pickled beets. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb times your pet or someone else's pet drove you nuts. Like Kristen, who says, my brother's dog had an annoying habit of jumping up on people and wrapping her mouth around their forearms. She is a lab, so it was gentle-ish, but it wasn't painless, and it would leave your arm covered in slime. And when she would do it... They would just yell, kisses, kisses, because they thought it was an affectionate thing. Well, she would do it to me constantly, and then one day she went for my mom. The first time she tried, my my dog went between them and blocked her. And the second time she tried, my dog pinned her to the ground with not a hair out of place. The message was received. (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, The alpha took care of things. Good job. Don't mess around. Don't mess around here. Kristen, can I borrow your dog? Sometimes that's the best thing is for the for the misbehaving dogs to hang around with a, a real alpha can set them in their place. Yeah, he doesn't time. misbehave. He's just more of um, he's a, he's a kind he's of a dumb de dum dumb kind of guy, right? He just he's just, like, like he's saying, enjoying himself. Yeah, he, you know, he's, he's, he's like if you tell him to get life. stop, he stops. If you tell him to get off the bed, he gets off the bed, but he'll try it every time first. You know, sure. like yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about Moose makes me smile. I've only met Moose a couple of times, but he's such a Third happy dog. Third kid. That's what he is. Uh, Loren, Arlene outlined a trail of uh, destruction for well over 10 years. Yeah, so Moose is nowhere near Arlene's dog, Buddy, who for 12 and a half years did his best to try and destroy my house, Arlene says. Dismantled the window, tore off the siding to get inside during a lightning storm, destroyed several downspouts trying to get after the dreaded chipmunks, carried several downfield pillows outside and ripped them up in our backyard, (laughs) hauled a case of beer outside in the middle of winter and ripped the box apart. At least the beers were cold. He dragged the bag of fertilizer outside, ripped it open, spread it all over the lawn. Only problem was it was in the middle of winter, so we had blue (laughs) snow everywhere. And yet he was the kindest, gentlest dog you would ever meet. He just was thinking he had his shenanigans, you know? (laughs) Buddy's a great name for a dog, too, isn't it? Is. It is. That yeah. is a great name. Simple yeah. one. I, I'm just the, the, the image of the downfield pillows being torn to shreds by this black lab. That looks like a black lab from the picture. Um, must be a la- is that an all dog thing or just a lab thing? Who likes the fo- anything that has like foam or feathers in it? Uh, no, I think it might. I think it's an all dog thing. I've never known yeah. a dog who doesn't like to tear things Rip apart. Rip stuff apart. Yeah. yeah. We've been lucky then. We've got some downfilled pillows and several rooms in our house, so 
If I go home to feathers all over my house today, I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be really upset. Just jinxed yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just one more thought on this, and then we'll get to the winner because we got we're out of time. But yeah, my dog Dexter, for example, he he would make it a mission to destroy whatever toy we gave him mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I thought we, I bought him a toy that was made of fire hose. Yeah. Because it was apparently supposed to be indestructible. Sure. So because he couldn't destroy it, he never played with it. He's like, ah, is, isn't that something? I don't want anything from this. Oh, but I, I laugh at those toys. They are, you can get those stuffed animals that it will say, for large dogs, indestructible. All right. Brandon with our winning text, Mackling. We had a cat, Reese, named after the snack. Yeah, my, life, my wife loves Reese's peanut butter cups. She was getting older. She was having a great difficulty with arthritis. There was a miracle drug that basically claimed to stop all pain from the arthritis, not wanting to see her suffer. We got this medication. One of the side effects listed on the drug was, of all things, hooliganism. <laughs> well, of all the side effects she could have gotten, yep, you guessed it, hooliganism reared its head. She would jump on her heads, walk on my wife's hair, sit on her faces, pick at the headboard multiple times a night, among other things. Needless to say, she was the ultimate hooligan. They nailed the description of that side effect. Congratulations, Brandon. You're going to the Jets game on Monday. But right now we want to talk about the biggest festival of its kind in Canada. It started yesterday. It runs until Friday, February 3rd. It's the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's new music festival. How often do we hear that the largest of its kind in Canada or North America or the world? We put on some pretty impressive events in this community of ours. Harry Staphylakis is composer in residence at the WSO and co-curator of the Winnipeg New Music Festival. Harry, good morning to you. Good morning, Brett, Greg, and Lauren. How you doing? We're doing very well. For the uninitiated, what is the new music festival, and how long has it been going on now? Oh, it's been going on since 1991. This is a uh, week-long festival. It happens every year, presented by the Winnipeg Symphony, uh, that focuses entirely on contemporary music. When we think of classical music, orchestral music, symphonic music, we tend to think of traditional folks like Beethoven and Wagner and Brahms, uh, these people that are dead a couple hundred years uh, with new music. It's all about music cre- being created by now by our peers, by our fellow human beings who are responding to the world around us. One of the- so is it, oh, sorry, I was just going to jump in. Is it still considered classical music, but in this era? If I, if exactly right. sense, like yeah. it, the traditional <laughs> classic, but, but created today. It, well, yes, the, there's a bit of contention about the term because classical can refer to the 18th century period of European music. But yeah, we still use that, sometimes called art music, concert music. It, yeah, it's a bit uh, nebulous. And the New Music Festival is known for having performances at unique locations. Like one year there was a show at the basement in the Bay downtown. Another year there was a show at the Pan Am Pool. Uh, there was another one at the Forks with instruments made out of ice, if memory serves. So what's on tap this year along those lines? Yeah, we like to recontextualize spaces in Winnipeg and kind of bring them into the sphere of the arts and the fine arts. Uh, so this year we're uh, heading over to the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada, where we're going to be seated amongst these beautiful historical aircraft. Uh, and we're going to have some really strange, unique, eclectic programs happening there this Sunday and Tuesday Uh where we get to celebrate arts and science and technology, like all the high endeavors of humanity at once. So we, as Greg said, you know, it's cool that we're talking about it being the biggest music festival of its kind. How do you get there, though? Like from, from its origins to now, how did it become this? That's a really good question, and I <laughs> wish I knew. I've, I've been involved with this for seven years. I mean, it was founded by uh, Br- Bramwell Toby, former w- WSO music director and then composer and resident Glenn Buer in the early 90s, and certainly grew over time. I think, the, for one thing, the incredible support that the WSO itself has put behind celebrating new music at this level has a lot to do with it. But I think there's something in kind of the adventurous spirit uh, that Winnipeggers bring to the table that they've been able to support and make this like an internationally renowned contemporary music festival. You know, Winnipeg has produced so many successful musicians, and I think we're very proud of that fact. Some people like to owe it to the the long winters, and what have you got to do anyway uh, other than learn a musical instrument or learn how to sing well? But there there has to be more to it that generates this 
musical creativity and this legacy, this this uh, wonderful uh, legacy of music in our community, Harry? I, I imagine there's a number of factors involved in it. It's kind of a fascinating thing because, in a sense, uh, Winnipeg is geographically relatively isolated from some of the big uh, centers for classical music and certainly for contemporary music. Uh, so I, I think there's almost a kind of feel of it's a destination. I mean, we get to bring some of the major internationally renowned artists to Winnipeg from all over the world. You know, a few years ago, we had Philip Glass. Every year, there's some major art artist. We had Animals as Leaders, a progressive metal band that came uh, in 2019. So uh, I think there's something almost exotic about coming to January Winnipeg, a beautifully frozen over landscape uh, to celebrate music at this incredible level. Well, and you, on that subject, January, winter, Greg was talking about, well, there's nothing to do, so you might as well learn an instrument. But for a lot of us, it's a time to just kind of, you know, hunker down and, and crawl into our hidey hole. But I'm wondering, uh, for creative people like musicians, can that sort of time indoors or whatever help to generate more of that creativity to lead to something like uh, performing at the new music festival? That's an interesting question. You know, uh, a lot of festivals, especially in the classical and the new music world, tend to happen, these international festivals especially, tend to happen in the summer months. Um, so it's a little bit rare for us for there to be one on this scale uh, during the winter. Uh, I think partly, partly it's tied to kind of the academic seasons. A lot of people involved in the classical music world are professors. They are in higher academia, so they're kind of tied to the semester system. So our winter or holiday breaks and then our summer breaks tend to be some of the most fertile times to go about in the world and do international things. Uh, so I think we just kind of hit the mark here with this uh this sort of fallow academic period in the winter that serves as a great time to, to place this milestone event with him. What does this do just for, I mean, it's exposure for the artists who come, for the composers who might come, but I'm thinking that the people within, within the audience or in the audience, rather, who are listening to sounds that maybe they haven't heard before or it's inspiring them to create their own. And I'm asking this as someone who went through the Royal Conservatory of Music, right? And, and all the pages of my music for my piano would say, you know, Mendelssohn, and then it would have the centuries-old date attached to it. And yet here you are exposing people to the current and the now. And therefore, I'm wondering what your hope would be for the next generation of musicians even participating or watching something like this? Yeah, great question. Uh, somebody asked uh, last night's Q&A after the, the first concert last night, uh, what is Canadian music, Canadian classical music? What is the identity? What's the style? What's the sound? And the best response the panel could put together it is a lack of cohesion. It is the variety, the, the totally unique, idiosyncratic, idiolexic styles of each individual artist. Uh, and I think that's a, a kind of a microcosm of contemporary music as a whole. Um, there's such a variety that it, it's kind of like going to a modern art gallery. You're going to see a whole bunch of things by a whole bunch of artists. And chances are you're going to respond to some and really like some and love some and hate some and be confused by others. And I like to insist that's absolutely great. That's part of the experience. We're going to try things out and have every possible reaction. And something along the way is probably going to hit you somewhere in the gut. Uh, and that's the kind of thing we're seeking. And it's, it kind of becomes a drug that makes you seek even more. Harry, you hit on exactly the last thing I wanted to ask you, and that is the emotion that live music can evoke. Uh, Brett and I have had the conversation about seeing come from away. Both he and I cried like babies. I've been going to Rainbow Stage since I was a little kid, and there's nothing like the live music and making that connection with the performer on stage. And I'm a rock and roll heavy metal guy, and I, yeah. I could cry at a rock concert too because the music just hits me. What is it about live music in particular that can just stir the emotions? Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, I am a metal guy myself, so I literally cried at an Opus concert at the beauty of, of the experience. And uh, 
I say this as somebody who's also like a studio, you know, I work in a studio, I write at home, uh, I'm an audio engineer, I'm used to listening to wonderful curated recordings on great headphones and great speakers, and yet every time I experience music live, it's so much more powerful by like a significant margin. Uh, there's no, really no uh, replacing the effect of sound waves moving in this massive continental hall like we have here at the Manitoba Centennial Concert Hall that seats 2,300 people and all those sound waves resonating around the room surrounding us, enveloping us. There's something kind of ineffable and magical, and I'm sure there's plenty of scientific research that goes into how this impacts us on an emotional level and a cognitive level, but uh, all I can say is highly recommended. If you haven't heard a symphony orchestra live, this is the time to do it. The Winnipeg New Music Festival goes until February 3rd. The website, wnmf.ca. Harry Stafalakis, composer in residence at the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra and co-curator of the Winnipeg New Music Festival. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. My pleasure to chat with you guys. Thanks a lot. And on the, the subject of emotion and the live music, particularly with the orchestra, when Jeff Braun and I co oh. we did a couple of things. It's the Couch Potatoes right. with the symphony, but the second one in particular, the first one was Star Wars versus Star Trek, and that was super cool, but the second one was Superhero Showdown. And I sort of, as I was watching them perform all these songs, it, it kind of was like the soundtrack of my life, being a big superhero nerd. Sure. And so we were seated on a couch on the stage... So I, <laughs> I wanted to enjoy the music, but it, like especially when the theme for the Avengers came on, and to hear that the swell of the horns, I was overwhelmed. But I had to like just hold it together, <laughs> hold it together, and because there were people in the audience who were commenting after they said, like, they said you were so into that. Uh, so I couldn't break down and just like enjoy it too much. Well, the, that combination, Loren, uh, Harry touched on it, the combination of new music, modern music, contemporary, however you want to term it, along with the symphony is something special. Uh, Chantal Kreviazic uh, performing with the WSO several years ago. I've been to probably 200 concerts in my lifetime. That one got me as emotionally as anything I've ever seen. And at the end of the show, she sits down, unamplified, sits on the edge of the stage and plays her guitars, her guitar and sings in this in, in the concert hall without any amplification. And, and it just, oh, my gosh, I, I, I'm getting emotional just remembering it, Loren. We talk all the time about, you know, the idea of the things you'd sing or the, the songs you'd get on stage and sing. But when you come home from a concert and it can be symphony or rock or what have you. Are you not always saying to yourself, man, I wanna, I'm going to learn the guitar or man, I'm going to learn the piano or I need to learn this. Like you always figure at the end, you want to play the instrument. That's what's, the, what's so cool about it when you watch it live like that. Once again, more information on the Winnipeg New Music Festival at WNMF.ca. Monday, we were talking about the things that we put off, inspired by the fact that I always, always, always put off renewing my driver's license until the last day, until the deadline. And Cam, you were talking about something to do with your rabbit, Reg. Yeah, I was saying, like, an, I've actually heard this from people. They said, I don't feed him. I make sure he's always fed. I'm not starving the, the poor little rabbit. Uh, but sometimes I wait until the very last second to go get him food, and I'll, I'll be scraping the crumbs out. And then I will um, have to go and buy his food. And so I was talking about that during our Having Coffee Talkie se segment at 6.45 uh, every day. And uh, Greg, you, uh, you came up with something. Um, well, when, when, when sometimes when Brett or Loren say great things on the show that we've never heard, yeah. and that's a saying, I'm like, we should make a T-shirt out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So Terry Bias, I hope you're saying I'm saying your last name right, um, from the Unique T-shirt company. Uh, he sent me a shirt, and I'll put it on my Twitter account at Cam at noon, and it says, <laughs> "Do better for Reg." He sent me the T-shirt. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Terry, from the Unique T-shirt company, 135 Midland Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. You can give him a call to. 204-793-7188. Terry, if you're listening, you're going to be getting a call from me very soon. All oh, right. my gosh. Who'd 
we should get tell about I am can. Read an I am Greg once Greg one time texted something to us and it got autocorrected to I am can. And Brett and I, like, you know, normally you can figure out what the autocorrect means and we were both like, I don't know, buddy, like, are you alive? Are you in a ditch right now? And I'm so in the car whenever- turned into I am can. <laughs> I will never forget to do better for Reg. Do better for Reg, everyone. (laughs) Everybody do better for Reg. That's all, Toby. God, thank you very much for joining us this week on The Start. Producer 14, Master Control, great job as always.